Good morning, everyone. Please turn to number 429, Jesus is Lord of All. our call to worship. Good morning. Call to worship this morning is Psalm 119. Let thy mercies come also unto me, O Lord, even thy salvation according to thy word. So shall I have wherewith to answer him that reproacheth me, for I trust in thy word. And take not the word of truth utterly out of my mouth, for I have hoped in thy judgments. So shall I keep thy law continually forever and ever, and I will walk at liberty, for I seek thy precepts. I will speak of thy testimonies also before kings, and I will not be ashamed. And I will delight myself in thy commandments, which I have loved.'" 
My hands also will I lift up unto thy commandments, which I have loved, and I will meditate in thy statutes. Amen. We will now continue to worship the Lord by singing number 469, Trust and Obey. And that's what our life in Jesus is all about. Faithful obedience is what it's all about. Let us pray. 
Lord God, we've gathered here this morning to worship you. On the first day of the week, the Lord's Day, the day that your son rose from the dead to uh, just guarantee our salvation. He died and he rose, just as we can die to our sins and rise to new life in him. We pray your spirit would move among us and that um, we would be able to focus all that we are on you in obedience to the greatest commandment, to love you with all that is within us and that it would carry not only throughout the rest of this day, but all the days of our week. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. And now, if uh, you will take your bulletin inserts, uh, let us pray our prayer of confession again. And this is the prayer that um, David prayed, and I believe it was after he had sinned with Uriah and Bathsheba. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are proved right when you speak and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Surely you desire truth in the inner parts. You teach me wisdom in the inmost place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will turn back to you. Amen. You know, the one thing about God is he's eternal, he's infinite, he never changes. And David wrote that a little after 1000 BC. And roughly a thousand years later, the Apostle John was writing to scattered, persecuted Christians throughout the Mediterranean. And he gave them this word of assurance. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that's that's a promise of God, that if we turn to him and confess, 
not only will we be forgiven, that would be enough, really. I'd be very happy with that. But he can actually make us more like Jesus, cleansing us from all of our unrighteousness. That's what life on this earth in Jesus is about, becoming more like him and being in closer fellowship and communion with him. So now for our next song, let's sing this song of surrender. Number 414, Have Thine Own Way, Lord. Now we will have the reading of God's word. Scripture reading this morning, Exodus 19, verses 3 to 7, Exodus 20, 1 through 17, and Matthew 5, verse 17. This is Exodus 19, 3 to 7. And Moses went up unto God, And the Lord called unto him out of the mountain, saying, Thou shalt say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, They have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, and how I bare you on eagles' wings, and brought you 
and to myself. Now therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. This is chapter 20, verses 1 through 17. <clears throat> and God spake all his words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thy labor and do all thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work. Thou, nor thy son, <coughs> excuse me, nor thy daughter, thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal. If thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. Okay, this is Matthew chapter 5, verse 17. I think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Amen. Amen. Thank God Jesus came to fulfill everything, really. Let us now go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, thank you that you sent your son to fulfill all that you have given in scripture so that in him and through him we may be enabled and empowered by the Holy Spirit 
to live lives of faithful obedience to all that you have given us in your word. Selah, we need to pause in silence to let this awesome truth sink deep into our hearts. Thank you that you have saved us through your son from our sins to become a nation or a kingdom of priests in you living holy lives in the Savior Jesus to witness to who you are and to bring you glory. And this is no small thing. Being saved in Jesus is everything. Thank you. And we have confessed our sins and been assured of your forgiveness. Therefore, now help us to live as Jesus lived so that all may know you and be reconciled to you in Jesus. And Father, we pray for you. Please let this awful pro-abortion law that has passed the House of Representatives be defeated in the Senate. And we especially pray for Democratic Senator Joe Manchin from uh, Virginia, that when the vote comes in the Senate, he will break his party ranks and vote according to his Catholic Christian conviction and faith in Jesus Christ. And we also pray for our President Joe Biden and for Representative Nancy Pelosi that you would touch them by your spirit and bring them to repentance that they may be blessed in Jesus. And we pray for our brothers and sisters in the Messiah around the globe, whether uh, they are being persecuted or whether they are living among indifference. Please keep them faithful and give them your peace that passes understanding. And we pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We pray for our nation. There's just something on my heart this morning. We pray for our schools and for our teachers. And um, you know what's needed there, and we'll leave that in your hands. We pray for medical personnel many of whom have been very stressed in the last year and a half. For those working in finance or manufacturing or high tech, in short, all people in all walks of life, that these people, may all of them, all of us, know Jesus and to have life in him. And we pray for our church body. Please be with Doris Comfort her, and we ask you, please, that that you would give her a, a, a miraculous healing. But most of all, give her a strong sense of your presence. And we pray for Joe, and and, and we're glad that we're that we he, he is here with us this morning. And we pray that you would just keep him physically strong. 
Um, let's see. Uh, please um, be with Norma and help her as she is undergoing the effects of advanced age. We pray for Elin and Allie and her family and Jenny and her family, Sally, Kurt and Dory, Charlie. We pray for Peter, Linda, Billy, Norgy, and their mother. We pray for Ken and Renato and his family. Father, you know all of our needs even before we uh, open our mouths to speak them or even think them in our hearts. And Lord, we just trust in you. Please give us what we need. And I pray as I bring forth and dig into your word that your spirit would guide the exposition, the interpretation, and the application of your word. And Father, we also uh, thank you for the sacrament that Jesus instituted. And um, Lord, please help us to really appreciate the mystery of this sacrament. May each one of us examine himself or herself that we may be clean before you to receive this mystery of the body and blood of Jesus Christ in the elements of which we will partake. And now we come to you with one heart and one voice in the words that Jesus taught his followers to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Okay, before we go to God's word, Let's uh, sing this song of faith, number 479, God Leads Us Along.
meditating on the scripture for today's sermon, I remembered something new that I had learned this year from my evangelical Catholic brothers and sisters on the EWTN television network. The early church fathers, including Augustine, described the three-in-one God as good beautiful, and true. And therefore, all he created has goodness, beauty, and truth in it. And I actually learned this from two brothers who are folk singer, songwriters, uh, singer, musicians. And it turned out as they gave their story Their mother was a concert pianist in New York City. But shortly after the second son was born, they moved to Virginia. And very soon as they were growing up, they learned the folk music of the Shenandoah Mountain region. Now that connected with me because I too love that music. And they play guitar, mandolin, banjo, and fiddle. And now they are in a band with two friends, and they're, they're writing songs. These two friends make up the rhythm section, bass and drums. Now, even though they are evangelical Catholics, they write songs about living in America today. And let me just remind you of what we're living with, because we're all living with it. They want to help people to thrive in this country where there are now great divisions over basic morality issues. But they try to put something of the good, beautiful, and true in every song they write. So these are not like gospel evangel songs but they're songs about the goodness and beauty and truth of God and what he has built into the world. And they've talked about when they give concerts, 
when they give concerts, fathers come up to these brothers after the concert and they thank them for their songs because they're reinforcing the biblical morality that the fathers are trying to teach their children every day. And what's really cool is through these well-crafted lyrics that this band writes and sings and performs in in a bluegrass country folk manner, um, their gift of lyric writing is helping young people to understand the good, beautiful, and true God and what he has built into creation. And and the reason I thought of this in relationship to our passage is they really do bring out all of our passages this morning this beautiful reality of God and his creation. You see, in his goodness, he saved Israel. And in the language we heard of how he did it, we also have some beautiful poetic metaphors. And then the 10 words that Yahweh gave to his people, Yahweh God, to live by. These words are true. As all of God's word, all of scripture are true. But people can only receive salvation to live by God's ways in and through his son. And as I reflected on this this morning, I realized that unless the life of the Savior is going through us and affecting all we are and all we do, we're nothing. We're spiritually dead. However, God saves those living in faithful obedience through his son, not in our own strength, but through his son. Now, with this introduction, Let's discover goodness, beauty, and truth in our passages today. So the two chapters in Exodus we heard portions from can be summed up this way. Yahweh God saved Israel on eagle's wings to be a holy nation to him. And then he gave them 10 strong words to obey in order to fulfill his will. So from the portion of the first chapter we heard, it's summed up this way. Yahweh saved Israel by lifting them on eagle's wings from out of slavery in Egypt to bring them to himself to be a holy nation of priests to him. And I think every Christian should know this paragraph of scripture, because God's will never changes. He wants his people to be priests, intermediaries of him, bringing more people to him. So let's actually go through this word by word. Moses went up to God and Yahweh called him and said, thus shall you speak to the house of Jacob and tell to the sons of Israel You all saw what I did to the Egyptians, and I lifted you on the wings of eagles, and I brought you to myself. 
There's that relationship with God that God created us to have with him. So notice, two names for God. Just the basic name God refers to the all-powerful creator, but Yahweh is the covenant relationship name of God. Both are used, one after the other. Now, also notice the two names for one man. Isaac and Rebekah named their second-born son Jacob, which means the supplanter. He was always trying to get ahead of his firstborn brother Esau. But then, as he was running away from home and running away from Esau, who was mad at him, he wrestled. He wrestled with a man that many people believe is the pre-Bethlehem Jesus. In this man, namely God, changed his name to Israel, meaning he will be God's prince. He has both names, but God transformed him from a supplanter and someone who was fighting to one who was a prince of God. And then this word see is very clear. All the people that were at Mount Sinai who were just less than a year out of Egypt, they were eyewitnesses, and we saw this a few weeks ago, to the miraculous works that God did in Egypt in order to set his people free. In other words, he saved them, he redeemed them, he called them out. Salvation is the good God lifting his people out of slavery and again, bringing them to himself. Now that's whether physical slavery or slavery to sin. But notice that God rescued them on eagles' wings. I'm not great at poetry, but I know that that's a beautiful metaphor. That's a great way to put it. As a mother eagle will carry the babies on you know, her back and wings. That's what God did for his people. It's a beautiful picture. Continuing, he says, now if you will indeed hear my voice and keep my covenant, you are my valued treasure among all the people, for all the earth is mine. Now, uh, in scripture, uh, and and, uh, many, many times in the five books of Moses, to hear means to obey. It's careful hearing. What do you want me to do? Because I want to obey, I will obey. Literally says, to hear, you will hear. And hearing you will do. And then they are to keep or to guard the provisions of Yahweh's covenant. So both this hearing and this keeping are conditional. In other words, Yahweh God is saying to them, only those who do both obey and keep their synonyms. They are God's valued treasures. And again, God is using poetic language. Imagine, if we faithfully obey God, we are his valued treasures. Imagine being a treasure to God. Again, this is a beautiful, beautiful image for those who are faithfully obedient to him. 
Continuing, he says, you will be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And Moses, you will speak these words to the sons of Israel. And then Moses called the elders and put before them all the words that Yahweh had commanded him. Holy priests. I mean, this is like so important. This is why Jesus came in order that we could be holy priests. Every person obedient to God by faith in God is a holy priest to him. Now, part of me just wants to say that's too much for me to do God. Me, be a holy priest. But that's what God desires to do, you know. And so let me just amplify on that point a little bit. The historical record in the Bible, both before and after Moses, shows that such faithful obedience to God is impossible for any person in his or her own strength. Don't try to do it on your own. Only after God sent his son, Jesus, is such obedience of faith now possible. Read Galatians, and I've given you two paragraphs to really read. God saves those living in faithful obedience through his son, not in their own strength. And when he says these words, at this point, all we have is the five books of Moses, the Torah. And they are summarized in the 10 words of truth of this very next chapter. But in this short passage, we see the good, beautiful, and true God communicated to his people in order that they might reflect these qualities in their lives, these qualities of God to the world, which also has goodness, beauty, and truth. Well, let's turn ahead to chapter 20. After this, God gave them 10 strong words to obey so they could fulfill his purpose for them. So, Starting in verse 1, God spoke all these words. I am Yahweh, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Now, this is the prelude. This is not the 10 words, not the 10 commandments. And, And it was worth it to go to seminary for a few things. And one of them was in the middle of the second millennium before Jesus came. This all happened about 1500 BC, give or take a few words. All conditional king-serf agreements began with a declaration by the king of the gracious provisions he had given to his serfs. Well, it's different with God because he considers his people his servants, but they're not serfs, they're not slaves. Yahweh tells the sons of Israel that he brought them out of bondage from slavery in Egypt. And this very fact of what he has done for them should be incentive enough for Israel to want to live by the 10 words which follow. 
So now in the next 15 verses, Yahweh gave 10 strong words calling for obedience of his people so that he may bless them. Now, the format of these words, and you're probably aware of this, but never thought about it. Eight times he says, you will not ever for all the way into the future. You know, King James, thou shalt not. You will not do this. Okay? Now, um, one time in the fourth word, he says, this is what will happen if you do the first three. As a result of doing the first three, this will be what you will do, how you will live. Only the fifth word is literally and truly a commandment. So let's go through them one by one. First, there will be no other gods to you above me. Secondly, and this is a long one, you will not make to yourself an idol in any likeness that is in heaven above and in earth beneath and in the water under the earth. And you will not bow down to them. And you will not let yourselves serve them because I'm a jealous God, counting the iniquity of the father upon four generations of those hating me, but, and showing strong love to thousands, loving me and keeping my commandments. So we have a strong warning here against putting anything we make we make above the creator God. But there's a promise at the end of all of this, and that is all who live a lifestyle of love and obedience towards God, what he is saying is they will be blessed. They will experience his strong love. I don't think there's any greater feeling in this life than to experience God's great, strong love. Thirdly, he says, you will not take the name of Yahweh your God in vain, for Yahweh will not acquit the one who will lift up his name in vain. Now, I know pastors in this area who have preached a whole sermon on this But let me just, I looked up a couple of words and what they mean, and it made it a little clearer to me. Vain can also mean emptiness or falsehood. And acquit means to go unpunished. You're acquitted, you won't be punished. So in other words, I think what's being said here is any words or deeds done by a person that are empty, or meaningless in God's eyes, according to who God is. Anything we just waste and and, and fritter away. Or anything we say or do that is false to God's character of truth, that will be punished. That's what it means to use his name in vain, to just drift through life in an empty way or to be false. Fourthly, 
to remember the Sabbath, the seventh day, and to keep it holy. Do all your work, six days. The seventh is a Sabbath to Yahweh your God. No one will do any work. For in six days, Yahweh made everything. Then he rested on the seventh day. So he blessed it and he made it holy. Now, what this is, is a result of the first three words. So those who put nothing above the good and beautiful God, Yahweh, who say and do everything according to his truth, not falsely, they will remember to rest and be blessed in him on the Sabbath. You will not work. And then there's a whole long list. Children, servants, animals, sojourners. No one will do any work. The result will be the blessing of sharing in God's holiness by devoting one day in seven totally to him. And the way I've been trying to live this now for two years, and, and, and I would recommend it, not, not as something that's a burden, but something that's a joy. From the time we get up till the time our head hits the pillow on the Lord's day, it should be all about God. And I will not do any of my work. Now, for somebody who is a workaholic, I got to tell you, that's hard. I'm always tempted. Well, I've got a busy week in front of me. I need to look at this. And then the still small voice of God says to me, no, you're to take a day where you're not going to worry about what you think your obligations are. You're going to focus on me and me alone. And I will bless you and I will give you rest for that. Fifthly, and this is the only pure command, you must honor your father and mother in order that your days may be long in the land Yahweh your God is giving you. So this is a transition word of command. The first four in the longest and most of all of the total words are about how people relate to father God. Now, fathers and mothers, humanly, they are our parents on earth, and we honor them by esteeming them and giving full weight to all of their instruction about God. Now, this is assuming that we have good parents, but if you look in Deuteronomy, God charged every parent, every mother and father to teach their children his ways. And now this promise, it actually has two dimensions where it says that uh, your days may be long. Corporately, speaking about the nation of Israel as a people, he's saying you will stay in the land. As weak as you may be, no foreign powers will ever drive you out as long as you're living within these words I'm giving you. But there's also an individual aspect. Now, we all know Wonderful saints who have died, what we would say is before their time. But for the most part, the days of our life in the land will be extended, even for individuals. Six, seven, eight, and nine could not be clearer or more succinct. You will not kill. You will not commit adultery. 
you will not steal. And you will not speak against your neighbor a witness that is a lie. Now, in the Sermon on the Mount, and and as we get to Christmas and beyond, we will go through the entire gospel of Matthew. But in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, Jesus took these four commands to a higher level. And if we take that higher level, and I've given you the verses where he brings them, can we say honestly that we have never, ever, ever been so angry with someone so that we hated him or her, even if it was just for a minute? I can't raise my hand on that one. You'll have to decide for yourself. Or what man can say he never lusted after a woman? I can't speak for women on this. Now, I'm going to give you a little testimony when I was a baby Christian about two years old. I remember after hours, about 5.30, my boss um, asked me if I had passed along his request for another department to do something he wanted done, and like as soon as possible. I knew that he meant, had I asked every day for the last week. I'm no dummy. I knew what he wanted me to do. But I'd only done it twice. So what was my answer? Oh, yeah, two or three times. I was trying to make myself look a little better. I wasn't totally lying. But you know what? The Holy Spirit convicted me. And I went home that night and said I had no right to say or three just to try to save face with a half-truth. I think that's what God's talking about, about lying. I don't know about you, but sometimes I, I will stretch the truth without breaking it, but God doesn't like that. The only way we can obey God's command and be saved to do his will is if we are in the Lord Jesus by faith. God saves those living in faithful obedience through his son, not through our own strength. 10, you will not covet anything belonging to your neighbor. I summarize that because it's so long. But if you remember in Romans, in that very difficult chapter 7, Paul says that it was the law or the Torah that taught him what it means to covet. And now to get a little specific, God gave at least four examples. Don't covet your neighbor's house. Be content with the housing you have. Do not cover covet his wife his employees, or his animals. And there's a list there. And remember, back in that culture, most people, the possessions that they had, their most valued possessions, were their animals by which they were able to grow and sustain themselves. Don't covet what your neighbor has. Well, coming all the way forward to this one verse that Jesus said, and this is also in the Sermon on the Mount, What he's doing here is he's correcting his followers by saying he has come to fulfill the law and the prophets. And what he meant by that was all the scripture that they had. We call it the 39 books of the Old Testament. 
So he said they should not think he had come to destroy the law and the prophets. And in the context, after the Beatitudes, Jesus had commanded all of his disciples down at the foot of the mountain from which he is teaching them to be salt and light in all they do. In essence, what he's saying is just what Yahweh said to Moses 1,500 years earlier. Be holy priests to glorify Father God. What he's really saying here, as I thought about this, is he's about to destroy, and you remember all the arguments he got into with certain of the Pharisees? He's about to destroy their false teaching of Scripture. But he tells them he's not destroying Scripture itself. On the contrary, he says, I've not come to destroy them, but to fulfill them. You see, his teaching about the true meaning of God's good word is a prelude right here to the perfect life of faithful obedience. He would live before them for the next two and a half years in order to become the perfect sacrifice to save people from their sins. And then the Holy Spirit that God's Son sends enables and empowers all who receive him to live in faithful obedience. It's a miracle of grace from God. We all need the three-in-one God with us and in us. Okay, with us and in us. And with that, we can live a life pleasing to God, following his word, having eternal life, growing in knowledge and grace, growing in the blessings of God. God saves those living in faithful obedience, not in their own power, but through his son. This is only in Jesus All who are living in the faith of Jesus are able to live good, beautiful, and true lives. Why? Because of Jesus. And why? Because of this verse that we heard in Matthew from the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus came to fulfill all of the law and prophets. And if we are in him, he will enable us to do the same. Let me wrap these passages up. The God of Israel, Yahweh, saved his people by lifting them from slavery in Egypt on eagle's wings to bring them to himself to be a holy nation, a holy people. He then gave them 10 strong words to obey so they would fulfill his purpose for them and to be his treasured covenant people. Again, there's that beautiful poetic imagery of what it means to be God's people. But this relationship was not fulfilled until Jesus came to fulfill all of scripture, all the law, all the prophets. God saves those who live in faithful obedience through his son. And now, before we partake of communion, 
Let us sing number uh, 265. Let us break bread together. say if anyone here has not yet taken a a communion kit and those that were here early with me can testify I had large gloves on each hand they are not contaminated they are perfectly safe Uh, get get your kit now and also take your bulletin insert that we may do our communion responsive reading Okay, are we all ready now? Almost. All right. Um, The table of bread is now to be made ready. It is the table of company with Jesus and all who love him. So come to the table. You have much faith. And you You who have been here often, and you who have not been for a long time, and you who have tried to follow Jesus, and you who have failed. Come, it is Christ who invites us to meet in here. Loving God, through your goodness, may we know your presence 
in the sharing so that we may know your touch and presence in all things. We celebrate the life that Jesus has shared among all his community through the centuries and shares with us now. May we one in Christ and one with each other, we offer these gifts and with them ourselves a single living act of praise. Amen. Let us pray. Holy Lord God, by what we do here in remembrance of Christ, we celebrate his perfect sacrifice on the cross and his glorious resurrection and ascension. We declare that he is Lord of all and we prepare for his coming kingdom. We pray through you, Holy Spirit, this bread may be for us the body of Christ and this cup the blood of Christ. Accept our sacrifice of praise as we eat and drink at his command. Unite us to Christ as one body in him and give us strength to serve you in the world. And to you, one holy and eternal God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we give praise and glory now and forever. Amen. And now let us partake of the elements of the sacrament. Amen. It is a great mystery, but it is such a blessing to receive this sacrament. For our final song, let us sing number 82, Come Thou Font of Every Blessing.
benediction is taken from the conversation that Jesus had with a woman at a well in Samaria. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem shall you worship the Father. You worship that which you do not know. We worship that which we know. For salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And we will now sing, Father, I adore you, a Trinity chorus number 48.